0: Today, we're taking an early look at the Florida Gators 2022 football schedule, an update on the men's basketball team, and we'll wrap up by talking about this superhuman Florida Gators softball team only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here, and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Happy Tuesday. I am Brandon Olson. You find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon All my written work with whole nine sports. I'm getting right into this football schedule. Um, The first thing that stood out to me, just like when looking at the schedule was or always stands out to me, is that there's a lot of home games this year. You know, seven of the 12 are home games. And I mean, I'm definitely happy for it, especially because Florida starts the season in Gainesville hosting Utah. They leave for a week after a three-game homestand, so they start the game, They start the season with a three-game homestand, leave for a week to go to Tennessee, come back and have another three-game homestand, and then they have their bye week and then a neutral site game, then most of the end of the season, they're on the road, which is fine. It's not a ton of travel here. Uh, there will be a total of 1,995 miles traveled by the Florida Gators this year, which is it's about 500 miles less than the Gators traveled in 2021. So that is going to be big for them because I get it. Like a lot of people are like, oh, like who cares? It's not that way. It, travel sucks. <laughs> travel sucks, especially when you have to prepare for a football game and you've got to worry about, you know, sleeping in uncomfortable hotels, maybe sometimes worrying about the ride and the jet lag and whatever it might be. But the Florida Gators won't have to worry about that too much as it's two trips to Tennessee really added on to there so that that's not too much to worry about um uh, and look when we look at this record in general This is going to change as we get closer to the season, as we get a better feel for who's going to be the starting quarterback, who's going to be starting along the offensive line, who's going to be starting at linebacker, who's going to be the, I mean, really on the D-line outside of Brenton Cox Jr. and Javon Dexter, who's going to be the primary starters. So this is all going to take shape closer to the season more, but I figured we'd take an early look at this. You know, it's a fun thing to do. And I think that just looking at the schedule and looking at who we have on the roster, not and who I think should start at certain places. I think this is a nine and three team. Um, and I'm trying to temper my expectations to not be like Gators rule. But I, I think this is a nine and three team. You know, the Gators won six games last year with awful coaching. Uh, and, and again, I don't think Dan Mullen's an awful coach. I think he had an awful year last year. I think he had an awful defensive coordinator who's now with Alabama. And I know a lot of people are like, I, a lot of Gator fans, specifically, are like, ha! Screw you, Bama. He's going to ruin you. Uh, Todd Grantham will not have enough of an impact on this team to ruin them, so don't worry about that. He's just doing what every coach does when they get fired, going to Bama for a year or two, and then getting a big promotion somewhere else. Uh, But I I think Dan Mullen had an awful year last year, and I think that this year is going to be a 9-3 and year, um, partially because schedule is not super difficult. I feel like there are a couple of toss-up games. Um, one of them, I, I or two of them, I put against Florida. One of them I put for, for Florida. I think the most likely losses, uh, starting with Utah, in week one. You know, I, I get it. It's in Gainesville, and I think that's going to play a huge part in this game being close. But it's going to be the first real game that the Florida Gators play under Billy Napier, and Utah has a fantastic defense. And I think the Florida Gators' offense is going to just be Trying to figure things out, and I think that that's not a great defense to try to figure things out against in real time. Uh, so I think with a spotty offense early on is going to be a thing for Florida while they try to find their footing. Could be a little bit of a rough start with that first week loss, but again, that that's not a killer because Utah is going to be, I, I think Utah is going to be a great team this coming season, which is another thing where it's like, yeah, I'm not worried. Like this is a loss that I would expect. But I still think it's a toss-up because of the home field advantage. But it's a loss that I'd kind of expect because Utah's going to be a great team. I I think it's as simple as that. I think they're. I'm a fan of what they're doing right now. Georgia's the next likely loss because they're Georgia. And also, I'm going in terms of schedule, not in terms of likeliness. Um, But I think Georgia's another one because, I mean, they just won the natty. (laughs) Georgia's Georgia. And Gators, they're in a transitional year right now. Uh, I don't think it'll be long before Florida – kind of gets back into the win column in this series and and starts taking things over because I I think what Georgia's doing right now, I don't don't know what they're going to do long-term. I think Kirby Smart's obviously going to stay there, and I think he's going to keep doing his thing recruiting-wise, but I think it's getting a lot harder for Georgia to dominate the recruiting standards. I mean, look at what Texas A&M did this past year, and I think Florida's going to be up there, and I think Bama's going to continue to be Bama. So I think it's not... Not that it's not sustainable for Georgia, but I think it's going to get a bit more difficult for them recruiting-wise, and I think that's one of the reasons that they've been so good is that recruiting has been their thing. But, yeah, with with NIL, specifically, you look at the Gator Collective, you look at what Texas A&M did with recruiting and how their players are going to get paid, and I think Georgia – is kind of going to have a little trouble with the curve there. Um, So I I think Florida will get on top of the rivalry soon. I don't think Georgia's stay of dominance is going to last very long. And the final most likely loss here, I think is Texas A&M. You know, Jimbo has been doing an insane job recruiting and I don't like Jimbo Fisher. I think he's overrated. I think he's a great recruiter, but I, I think as a coach, he's, he gets credit where he shouldn't like, you know, QB developer QB, whatever. It's like dude had Jameis. Jameis wasn't that great coming out of college. He just had an insane ceiling. And I mean, really, he didn't, I don't think he lived up to the hype. But I think most people would agree with that. And he had Kellen Mond who didn't improve while Jimbo was there. I don't know why Jimbo gets this credit as a QB developer and QB guru or anything like that. He's as much a QB guru as Dan Mullen, if not less of a QB guru than Dan Mullen was. So Jimbo, congrats. You're wildly overrated. I don't care. Uh, so I'm, I'm not super convinced about this loss. I think this one's very much a toss up, but I think right now, given the first year for Florida, it, it's going to be a bit, um, and I'm also not sure how great that Texas A&M roster is going to be. They're losing a lot of talent to the NFL draft and the LSU game is one that I wanted to talk about. I think Florida wins it this year. I do, um, but I'm, I'm not sold on the LSU roster and I think Brian Kelly is I think Brian Kelly is an overrated choke artist. So I'm not sold on the LSU roster, and I think Brian Kelly is an overrated choke artist. So I I think that the Gators are going to win this game this year. I, I think it comes back to Florida for us now, finally. March Madness is just a few weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're running your brackets. And I have a suggestion, runyourpool.com. It's the place to be along with standard brackets. They got Pick'Em and Survivor. It's stuff you won't find on ESPN and CBS. And if you use runyourpool.com, you get to work with us because we will have a locked on Gators 20 setup that I'll be competing in. Listeners will be allowed to go in. And it's going to be fun. Join the whole network at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And if you want to set up your own pool for your friends, family, business, charity, whatever purpose you're doing, use code pure madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool, runyourpool.com slash locked on. It's your chance to win a cash for a cash prize for free. It's free to sign up, free to participate. You only have to pay if you want to start your own. So make sure to visit runyourpool.com slash locked on. And looking at this Florida Gators men's basketball team, they handled Georgia this weekend. Flan Fleming had a season high, and I want to say a career day. Um, He had bigger statistical days before coming to Gainesville, but I think when you look at the talent competition – I, I think that, or the talent difference, I think you have to say that this was probably the best game of Flan Fleming's career. Flan Fleming had 27 points on 11 for 18 shooting, and he shot four for nine from three. If he could keep that hot hand going, this Florida Gators team becomes just exponentially more dangerous because it's been a lot of Colin Castleton and Tyree Appleby when he's hot. But that's pretty much been it. You know, Myron Jones has been so wildly inconsistent. Brandon McKissick is more of a defensive stopper. Anthony Derugio, Anthony Derugio, more of a defensive stopper. And I think that when you look at this team, if Flan Fleming can get going, you're you're looking at a dangerous team here. And I, I think that he makes this Florida Gators basketball team, when he's on, so much more dangerous. And he gives us that third option that's been lacking this entire season. Colin Castleton had a career high in assists against Georgia. He had five assists, and he also had 10 points and 12 rebounds, along with three blocks. It was an all around great game for him. And look, I, I know 10 points is less than he's had, really. It was obviously his less usage with Flan Fleming going off. But I mean, Colin Castleton's just, he's something about him. <laughs> something about him since he came back from that shoulder injury, he's just been clicking on all. Sillers, and you could see it in his face you could see it in his demeanor the way he holds him you know he scores in the paint and he crouches down and starts holding his hand down and it's like it's like oh yeah they're too little they're too little and Keontae Johnson is over on the sideline rocking the baby and it, it's just so disrespectful the swagger that he's playing with right now where I I think that Colin Kessler is just in a different mode right now like he is unconscious and Florida takes on Vanderbilt tonight in a must-win game. And I know last time Florida won 61-42. Don't expect that score again. I think Florida's going to score more. I think Vanderbilt's going to score more. I-, I think that, especially when you look at Vanderbilt being the home team, they're probably going to get more calls their way. And that's something where that- that's just what it is. That That's more home court advantage also along with the crowd noise and all that stuff. But uh, I-, I-, I think it's a must-win because – you look at the Florida Gators season this year and you look at the last two games are Vanderbilt and then are at Vanderbilt and then hosting Kentucky this Saturday. And then you've got the sec tournament. And I think the Florida Gators, you know, if you want to make the March Madness tournament, because you were, I don't think they're a March Madness team right now. I think you've got to handedly beat Vanderbilt. You've got to, I, I want to say you've got to at least keep it very close with Kentucky but I think it's a, winna- it's a winnable game, especially because Florida is, you know, feeling healthy right now. And it's a home game in Florida at home. It's it's just special when you're playing in Gainesville. And then you've got to have a strong showing in the SEC tournament. This is going to be a tough path to making the March Madness tournament. You look at the game against Georgia, even the commentators were like, look, Florida right now has a 33% chance of making the March Madness tournament. That ain't favorable, folks. Like, like Florida's got to turn it up. You've got to handedly beat Vanderbilt. You've got to have a great showing against Kentucky, which hopefully will be a win, if not a very, very close loss. I mean, like, you've got to lose by less than, less than four. And then you've got to have a strong showing in the SEC tournament. I think going into tonight's game, the Gators are going to be fired up. I, I think you have to be fired up if you're the Gators. I get it. You're on the road. You're traveling there. I don't. Care, I think if you're Florida, you've got to come into this game and just go, Hey, we're gonna beat the heck out of them on their own court. However, I think as fired up as you are, you've also got to be extremely, extremely disciplined because Vanderbilt they're gonna try to get the ball into the paint and they're gonna to try to get you into foul trouble. That's what they do. I mean, you look at Scottie Pippen Jr. He is leading the nation in free throw attempts and free throws made this season so far. He's a freak. He's one of the best foul drawers in the country. And I think he's right now leading the country in fouls drawn per 40 minutes played. He's got 565 points this season. 170 of them are at the free throw line. Like he's he's good at converting those opportunities and he's great at getting to the line. So I think that you've really got to, play disciplined when you look at Scottie Pippen Jr. and this Vanderbilt team, because a lot of it also is Vanderbilt's going to be driving to the basket and then dishing out. Scottie Pippen Jr. is going to get to the paint and try to get the ball out of there. You look at Trey Thomas on Vanderbilt. You look at Miles Stute on Vanderbilt. And when they're on the court separately together, I don't care. When they're on the court, the Gators have to stay disciplined because you've got to watch that drive and dish that they're going to do. I mean, Trey Thomas and Miles Suit almost are at this point exclusively three point shooters. They're both Steve Novak at this point, where, hey, we're not going into the paint. They're Mike Miller when he was with the Heat. We're not going into the paint. We're standing in the corner. We're standing at the wing and we're shooting threes if you leave us open. That's all it is. So, Florida, you've got to not give up those shots and you've got to just let Colin Castleton roam. I think you look at A 2-3 zone is going to be solid for Florida because you get to watch the corners. You get to watch that paint, and I think those are the biggest things because the wings, yeah, if it's there, they're going to take it for Vanderbilt. But I think most of the time, they're going to look to the corners and they're going to look to the paint, and they're going to try to dominate you there, whether it's getting you to collapse and dishing it out, whether it's getting you in foul trouble, and that's on the Florida, you really got to play disciplined. I think it's good, though, for Florida – that they've got Colin Castlin. They didn't have Colin Castlin last game, and Scottie Pippen Jr. only had six free throw attempts. They've got Colin Castlin this time. I can almost guarantee he's going to have more, more free throw attempts because, again, when you're at home, you get more calls. That's how it works. But Colin Castle, big game. You got to protect the paint defensively without fouling. That's going to be big. Offensively, I think Colin Castlin's going to have a good game as well. I, I think he's going to you know, get back to his little, his little, oh, they're babies. And Keontae Johnson going to be doing the the rock the baby over there. Um, I think it's going to be a big game for Conley Kelsen offensively and defensively. I think he needs to have a big game defensively. And by big game, I I don't mean he needs to have six blocks, seven blocks. I don't mean, I don't care if you have no blocks. You need to contest these shots without fouling. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And I realize that that sounds like I'm just like, Hammering that one point home. And guess what? I am because if you can can if you can keep Vanderbilt, specifically Scottie Pippen Jr. from getting to the free throw line, and you can watch those corner threes, I think you completely take away Vanderbilt's offense, and it's just going to be rough for them. Again, they're gonna get some calls, they're gonna get to the free throw line, they're gonna score more than 42 points, most likely. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say they're gonna score more than 42 points, but I think when we look at this team, it's like Florida is built to play this game and Florida is built to win this game handedly. Like if you win by 19 again, that's that's monstrous. Like like great job, good on you. But I, I think Florida, you, you've got to do that. I think it's going to be low scoring, slow pace, and I think both teams want it to be that way. Anybody else make money this weekend? I did. I had, I had a solid go. I'm not going to lie about it. And I think tonight I'm going to make some money too because I'm telling you, I'm taking Florida to cover the spread. I don't care what it is. It's probably going to be about – four and a half, five and a half, something like that. I'm taking Florida to cover the spread, and I'm taking the under, and I'm going to parlay those, and I'm going to go with that. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Florida, you screwed me a bit, but you're not going to tonight. I have faith in you. BetOnline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with a real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Y'all know how I do it every time. BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about this Florida Gators softball team that is still undefeated, 16-0. and And I got to pose the question to you, and i mean answering the YouTube comments. I'll put it as a comment myself so you guys see it and you guys know. Could the Florida Gators, the 2022 Florida Gators, get the best start in Florida Gators softball history. 28-0 is the record from when the Florida Gators won the national championship in 2015. Could Florida get a hotter start than that? Before that, the record was 24. I, I think it's very possible, but also as we get to the end of this segment, we'll see why I think Florida is about to face their toughest test this season and and why it could be pretty rough for them. The Gators did play four games this past weekend. They won those games 11-3. Six to one, six to four, and 12 to 11. And the Gators showed a bit of mortality for the first time this season. They gave up four runs in a game for the first time this season. And then they followed that up by giving up 11 runs in a game for the first time this season. So, yeah, Sunday wasn't a great day for the team ERA, but it's also a testament to how absolutely dominant this Gators team has been that it was rough again for them for their era but they've still got a team era of just 1.51 compared to their opponents who have an era of 7.51 when they play the gators and i get it the gators have a lower um like, like they i guess if you went full era would allow lower but or runs per game but you know, Florida's just been dominant. Haven't played full games, which is why the ERA is higher than Florida's actual runs per score or runs per game. So yes, the ERA is higher. They uh, Florida averages about six point eight earned runs per game, but ERA not just a per game thing. Obviously, it's different. So seven point five one earned runs per game or ERA for Florida's opponents. And again, Florida's got one point five one, just absolutely dominant performance. That they had a rough game. And still, that dominant. That Sunday game against UCF in particular was a heart stopper. The Gators were up, went down two nothing in the first inning, and then erupted for seven runs in the second inning, thanks to a two run double by Sarah Longley, who went two and five in the game, or two four five in the game. Kendra Falby went two for three, hit a three run home run, and then Charlotte Eagles hit a two run home run to mat to ice that massive. Massive inning for the Gators. The Gators continue their insane base running tear too. And I can't get over this enough. I can't like I can't stress it enough. The Gators are on a tear base running like, like on the season, they've now attempted to steal bases 49 times. They have been successful. 45 of those 49 attempts. Like they're just lights out unconscious about attacking the base bats. And that's been so helpful in driving in those extra runs because it doesn't have to be home runs. You know, you get a single, you steal a base, another single can drive you in or a double is driving you in. And I think that's been really big for the Gators and helping them put up all these insane runs because of their very aggressive base running. And I mean, for reference against the Gators, opposing base runners have attempted to steal base eight times. They've been successful seven times. The Gators have three individuals who have more stolen bases than those seven. And four of those seven came against Central Florida. So Central Florida had four stolen bases against Florida. Prior to, Florida had only allowed three stolen bases this season. And it's insane to me that the Gators are still finding just so much success when attacking the base pass, because I I, I think that's very difficult to do consistently and to hold up Kendra Falby has attempted 17 stolen bases. She's been successful 16 of those 17 times. Hannah Adams has attempted to steal base 10 times. She's been successful eight times. And Skylar Wallace has attempted to steal base 14 times, and she has been successful all 14. So Kendra Falby, Skylar Wallace, and Hannah Adams have all gotten more stolen bases than opposing teams combined against Florida this season. Season. Like, it, seriously, it, it's been just absolutely ridiculous. And against Central Florida, the Gators really worked their pitching staff, which I get because, you know, that Central Florida game was all you had. And you have Monday off and Tuesday off and a game tomorrow. So they really worked their pitching staff. They had four pitchers pitch. The Gators started the game with Lexi Delbray, but she again got pulled early. She allowed two runs in the first inning. She has one inning pitch. She allowed two runs in the first inning. She allowed two runs in the second inning before getting pulled without getting a single out in that inning. So that's why she has one inning pitch, but she actually pitched in two separate innings. Uh, Riley Trilicek pitched 2.2 innings where she allowed five earned runs. I think she pitched a little bit too much, but again, you've, you've only got so much to work with in this game as your pitching's have four games in three days and two in a day. So I, I, I get it. You've got to kind of, you're limited there. Uh, Marissa Messimore came in. She pitched a scoreless 1.1 innings and Natalie Lugo got her first save of the season as she came in to pitch the final two innings. It was easily the worst pitching performance of the season for the Gators. The Gators play Southern Miss tomorrow at 6 p.m. before playing five games in three days this weekend. Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, Tennessee State then reverse it with Coastal Carolina and Georgia State again. And if I'm if I'm Coastal or if I'm Georgia State, I'm resting my best players to throw everything I can. to they possibly fatigue Florida on Sunday in hopes of maybe ending their undefeated streak. Thanks for making lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about our Florida Gators. Now make your second listen, lockdown NFL draft hosted by Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, as they bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with homeline Sports. That is L E N I N E and Sports. And I'll see you all tomorrow.